you're listening to a Big MX Radio Podcast. Brought to you by Arma Energy. Presented by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, X-Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Roy Borton Suspension, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Simply the best, motocross and supercross news from around the globe. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, Just One Helmets, and Bill's Pipes. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, but with me on the line, a man who wears many hats, he's the president of MX Sports, Davey Coombs. Davey, how's it going? It's going great. It's it's, it's hard to believe that uh, it's already a third of the way over uh, now that you now that you mention it, and uh, ironically, this is probably the the busiest uh, period for me. I, uh, you know, we we help out a, a great deal at Muddy Creek, so I had to go down to Tennessee uh, last week, and then uh, we have High Point this week, which is my home race. Uh, however, right in the middle of it, uh, our other track in Indiana hosted the KTM annual business meeting and uh they invited myself and jason wygant to to be the host and uh you know interview all the riders and uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun and uh ktm you know they're leading every off-road category in america right now obviously just one supercross with uh, ryan dungey and their first 250 east region title with marvin Muskan and uh in the running for both these outdoor titles so it's a pretty cool story and uh, i was glad to be involved but i i've been in my truck for it seems like oh close to 20 hours now between getting to tennessee then getting to indiana now getting back home fair enough uh, a guy putting on many miles and uh i'd love to be able to hear that you were able to uh twist the throttle uh, of one of those ktms while you were down uh down there but it uh, doesn't sound like it uh, no, unfortunately, they're riding today. Okay. Uh, but I, I, I literally am driving straight to High Point Raceway to sort of help manage that event. Um, you know, we have a we have a family business. My sister, uh, I get way too much credit for the the work that's done in the motocross series. My sister Carrie Joe uh, really does the sort of the business end of things. Um, I'm more of the production and the the, the big picture guy and. Uh, I've, I've, I've long told people that motocross is run by women. And, <laughs> and by that, I mean, you know, between my mom and my sister, yeah. Amy Ritchie runs Redbud, Jill Robinson runs Unadilla, uh, Carol Huffman basically runs Washougal, uh, Greta Martin runs uh, Spring Creek, yeah. and of course, Lori Yarnell, uh, Lori Bryant, Glenn Helen is, uh, you know, on a day-to-day basis, uh, the nucleus of Southern California motocross. So uh, we're just guys that love the sport, you know, everyone in these companies. Uh, but in the end, the, the, the women are the ones who get the real work done. So I'm, I'm headed back to, to jump in and, and see what I can do. And uh, certainly going on vacation on Sunday. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Wow, going on vacation uh, after uh, I guess yeah that that uh, right after High Point now we've had a, we have a, a I guess a, a two week break. Yeah, two weeks off, and I I have a friend who has a place uh, on the coast up in Cape Cod that 
lets me go stay rent free for a week and uh believe it or not while i'm up there i'm gonna hook up with keith johnson and no uh, maybe go ride in a topic one day wow well there you go uh maybe uh put some knobbies down on soil that uh may or may not be making its way back into uh the the series at some point well, we'll see. I'm just looking forward to riding on it. And hopefully they'll have it groomed and it won't be as rough as it gets uh, for even a local race. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. It's funny. I have to go on vacation to ride dirt bikes because I'm so damn busy at the races. I don't get to actually ride. For sure. Well, uh, coming but up. It was, it was funny. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say it, it was funny. Yesterday, uh, Dungey and Marvin went out to the track. Uh, and actually put in two motos at uh, Ironman, and it was deep mud. It rained all day. It seemed like, and uh, man, those guys are so committed. It was it was uh, it was something to 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 see. You know, two days after Muddy Creek, they're 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 out there in the mud. You know, nothing stopping those guys. They're 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 really committed. And, uh, that was probably the highlight of the trip. No kidding. Just seeing those two guys out there by themselves. Yeah, like just yeah. imagine that. Like I know for myself, I still race at a provincial level, uh, and I give it my all on the weekends. But on Tuesday or even Monday after racing, uh, I'm I'm not in any shape to go throw down motos. And uh, we, we you you and I both know what it's like to have to go through a mud moto. Uh, even more energy is expelled that way, and uh, those guys are twisting the throttle out there for uh, for you guys to enjoy. That's really really cool. Yeah, well, there, you know, the, the the whole weekend with KTM, uh, you know, I, I said weekend, I should say Sunday and Monday and last night, um, they just have a lot of good stories to tell. And, and, and it was fun to be involved because I, I rode for KTM back in 85. Yes, you did. In 86, uh, in, in my very, very brief professional career. Uh, I've got the ball. Uh, I've just always sort of had an affinity. I, I, I've had an affinity for the company, and, you know, they were based in Ohio for a long time, which is near where I'm from and, and the late president, uh, Rod Bush was from West Virginia, just like I am. So, uh, you know, to see them rise in these last five years has been, uh, it, it's been pretty cool. And it was definitely, uh, uh, a lot of fun to be over there with them and Jason Wygant and guys like Talon Bolin was there and Mark Hyde and, uh, even JSR John Sebastian Ross yes. showed up at the last second last night, flown in from, Nemo or Nimo, or however you say that, yeah. uh, him and Kevin Benoit, and I got to interview them on stage, and uh, they got a, a real nice welcome from uh, all the dealers, both from uh, America and Canada. And um, yeah, JSR is one of my favorite all-time riders. In fact, I I introduced him. I said there is no uh, Ricky Carmichael of Canada, but Ricky Carmichael is the John Sebastian Waugh of America. <laughs> and uh, he got a big kick out of that. <laughs> okay, you must see the uh, the the old guy blushing. That's wild. Yeah, nineteen or nineteen eighty five. Detroit or uh, Daytona Supercross ninth place and Houston, where there you guys were uh, uh, east west mixing together twentieth overall in the main event. Uh, pretty good showing considering you had both coasts duking it out on the KTM's. Yeah, and I, I broke my collar. I got last at that race in Houston. I actually broke my collarbone. Oh, okay. um, but, uh, yeah, and I made I made one national at high point, but I didn't gain points. But right then it was real clear, and the writing was on the wall, and in big letters it said, 
college. <laughs> I really need to go to college. And so I, I rather than watch Eddie Warren and Ronnie Lachine and, and, uh, you know, guys I used to race with ride off into the distance and just get further and further ahead of me. I decided to go to, uh, go to school, became a journalist. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, like you, I still like to get out there and ride, but, uh, my mind remembers how to go fast, but my body doesn't quite react as quickly as it used to. Uh, I, I still tell the guys in my office I could still beat anyone's ass out of the office on a on a track without any big jumps, just a lot of corners and stuff. But sure. when you get into the jumps, that's when I start getting like, I can't get hurt today. So I, I, I don't uh, but, but still enjoy getting out there a lot. Absolutely understand, my friend. Uh, they just recently brought the plus twenty-five class back to uh, local racing, much to the uh, the pleasure of those who have to go to work on Monday morning. Um, but great to hear that you still get out on a bike. Uh, do you still own, do you own one right now? Yeah, I have a CRF two hundred and fifty. I have a KTM two hundred. I have a Ducati seven forty nine. And when I go to the races, I'm I'm lucky enough that I can I can ask somebody you know, for to borrow a bike or throw on some gear or whatever. Yeah. And um, you probably don't know this because I don't really talk about it that much, but my nephew is Caleb Russell. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, who's the, who is, I, I'm, I'm not afraid to say the best off-road rider in America right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Very, We're very proud of him. He's my, my, my sister's stepson. And uh, he's got a lot of bikes and I can just jump on it. <laughs> whenever he's in town so uh and he's got really good bikes so that makes it easier 100 percent. and there's that ktm uh connection once again yeah but i'm you know i i'm 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 i've got good relationships with all six of the oems uh just given you know the fact that we work together every weekend and you know whether it's mitch payton at pro circuit or bobby hewitt at husqvarna or you know ziggy and jeff myshack at uh Tyco Honda, just any of the teams, we, we have a real good rapport. But uh, because I rode a KTM when I was younger, I, I find myself, you know, still riding them now. Just uh, I'm just comfortable on them. Two-stroke guy or four-stroke guy? Both. Both? Just di- di- different I'd times, Ross? I'd ride a, yeah, I'd ride a three-stroke if they had them. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I still ride mini bikes sometimes. I, I really don't care. Yeah. You know, I ride, to me, the best bike is the one that I have right now. And uh, that bike might change tomorrow and it might be different than it was last year. So I think everyone builds really good motorcycles right now. And if you're a two-stroke rider, thank goodness there's still some great two-strokes out there. And if you're not, uh, you cannot possibly uh, be underwhelmed with the, the, the capacity and the, the way a, a modern four-stroke motorcycle works they're just unbelievable pieces of equipment oh 100 uh um, i'm on two strokes for budget uh, budget reasons um but last year i got the opportunity uh to uh loan or uh, i got borrowed uh kawasaki 250f and that thing just like the immediate throttle response that it picked up all the bumps and uh yeah just as you were saying you go to a random track uh motocross family more often than not supplies you with a machine and uh, that's something very unique to motocross uh, i can't imagine if you uh if one team broke their uh, their baseball bat that the other team's going to come over and be like hey you can use ours or uh like your con- your competition is literally letting you borrow a piece of equipment that you very well could beat them on 
That's pretty yeah. special. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, a motorcycle is such an expensive piece of equipment. Yeah. Uh, the guys do that. You know, just, just a couple weeks ago, Glenn Helen, we had the maybe the second most bizarre thing to ever happen at a national that I was involved in was whenever uh, a disgruntled sponsor or a person who sold a bike came into the pits with someone else and disabled a competitor's motorcycle to the point where he couldn't ride it, and then the guy left. And uh, we broke a rule. We, we, we told this kid that if he could find another bike, he was welcome to race it, and we would re-inspect the bike so that he didn't waste the trip from Colorado to California. Yeah. And a kid named Nick Schmidt stepped up, and Nick Schmidt gave him his backup bike. And uh, so for the first time in history, we had a guy qualify on a Honda but race a Suzuki. And, and it goes back to exactly what you're saying. You know, motocross guys take care of each other. 100%. And uh, Cade Clayson actually did quite well on that uh, Suzuki, uh, putting in for a 40-minute moto on a, on a bike completely estranged to you uh, must have been pretty different. But uh, I got a feel by the time the, 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 the halfway flag comes out, you're feeling quite comfortable on uh, anything on two wheels, correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm for sure. I mean, the kid's a pro, and, and uh, you know, like I said, all the bikes are really good right now. And Glen Helen's a really rough track. So, you know, in the end, it's going to be how good a shape you're in uh, and how fast you are. And, 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 and whether you're on a CRF 450 or an RMZ 450, uh, it's going to come down to the rider at a place like Glen Helen. Right on. So between the Lucas Oil Pro, uh, Pro Motocross Championships, the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Amateur Motocross Championship at Loretta Lynn's, the Ricky Carmichael Daytona Supercross, and the Women's MX championships really seems like mx sports is dedicated to developing racing at all levels especially the grassroots how important is that uh it's 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 the future i mean the you know the 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 thing that we always you know remind ourselves and and you know and 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 with this responsibility is that uh everyone loves supercross supercross is a slick well-oiled package belt motorsports does a phenomenal job that is the, 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 the real icebreaker uh, of the industry. However, no one gets to go race in a stadium that's an amateur or a minicycle rider. You know, it's a very restricted, small group. And, and, and it's our responsibility to help raise the young riders that will make it to Supercross one day. And, of course, Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. But we also, you know, need to have viable local racing communities because those are the people that buy the bikes and they have to have a place to ride them. So, you know, whether it's the GNCC series, which we, we also run or the Loretta Lynn's program, uh, or the RCU, we, we, we just do all we can to, to have, um, quality racing, safe, competitive racing and consistent rule books. And, and just, you know, we feel that that's our responsibility. Um, you know, people have asked me before, well, when are you guys going to get into supercross? Never. Never. There's no one that can do Supercross as well as Feld, and they should do it, and, and they do a fantastic job. But uh, I like to think that we're doing a really good job with, with pro motocross down here. And, you know, my, my, my proudest thing in the last five or six years is that we, we've ended Supercross-only deals. Uh, we, we got all the top riders back into the series, uh, which shows how low motocross had gotten, you know, about seven, eight years ago. So uh, we, we, we know how 
important the grassroots are, but we also do that because we know how important Supercross is to everything. 100%. Like, that's all feeding into what you guys do. If you don't have kids at the grassroots level learning, developing skills, and increasing that sense of mastery, you're not going to have your Ryan Dungeys your, uh, and, and all the other uh, pros that, that, that fill your gate. You're going to have uh, – the, the stars just won't be there, or you'll have an even more disparity in terms of the talent pool. So uh, it's great to see that you guys are making steps to making sure that everything is, uh, is, is a well-oiled machine moving forward. Well, we, we we've always been. My my parents were promoters. Before that, they were school teachers. So they they love uh, they always loved uh, working with kids and, and helping develop uh, young minds. And now, you know, we we help develop young riders. And and um, you know, it's funny at this KTM thing last night. I found out that three of the factory riders, uh, Jesse Nelson, uh, Mitch Oldenburg, and of course Ryan Dungey, they were all graduates of the KTM Junior Supercross Challenge. That's great, and and I, you know, thought that was pretty fun. Hundred percent, yeah. And I, that's that 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 system right there has fed a ton of riders. And in fact, uh, uh, I was just looking up some random results from uh, a U.S. Open race, and uh, none other than Sean Rife. Uh, battled with uh, Brock Hepler for the uh, the U.S. Open uh, KJSC back in 2001. So uh, it, it just it, that that program has moved so many kids forward. It, it's absolutely wild. Um, as for like this weekend, we're moving into. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about. High point because it's very close to your heart. We've been there since 1977 when Tony uh, DiStefano uh, defeated the great uh, Marty Smith. What do you have to look forward to in a weekend like this right before you head out for some vacation time? Uh, well, you know, it's it's High Point's my favorite race. You know, it's a chance for you know the industry to come to to our hometown, which is actually Morgantown, West Virginia. I know High Point says Pennsylvania, but it's as close to the state line as you are to your phone right now. Perfect. So we're right there. And, uh, uh, you know, so a lot of people will be coming into Morgantown. We, we always try to, you know, do the best we can with the track, you know, weather permitting. And, uh, you know, we've, we've made some real changes this year to the track to kind of slow it down a little bit, make it a little more technical. And also just to, to give the fans and the riders, uh, something new to watch and something new to challenge them. And, um, but, you know, we'll, we'll have a party on Thursday night. I'm sure I'll take a bunch of people to dinner on Friday night. But I'll be getting up at 5 in the morning, and I'll be working well past dark. Uh, and uh, I will have a great big sense of relief, hopefully, on uh, Saturday night when that's all over. And then, um, like you said, just start looking forward to Bud's Creek, but uh, also take a, take a week off with my family. All right, guys. All right, guys. It's time for a commercial. It's time for a commercial. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable, sweat-absorbing liner, and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice are just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? 
don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. Cereal bees, Emigos. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. When it comes to helmets, there is just one. The helmet brand that is. Just One Helmets is tailor-made for motocross and street bike riding, and now available in North America. Who chooses Just One? Well, for starters, Tim Geiser, winner of the Italian round in MX2, David Philipparts, Vicky Golden, Trevor Reese, as well as David Pulley. And you know what? So do I. I choose Just One Helmets because they are simply the safest, lightest, and most comfortable lid available. Want to know more about Just One Helmets? Check them out on the web at www.justonehelmets.com. Find out about the J12, the J32, and all of the colorways that are absolutely blow your socks off. So guys, please head over to www.justonehelmets.com today. Go check them out. You won't be disappointed. The 2014 X-Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter X, Volcano and Phantom Goggle, X-Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X-Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear-offs, zip-off systems, nose guard and more. Check out EKSBrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, if they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to dubyausa.com today. WUSA, all things wheels.
What's up guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown full rebuild on your forks or, or shock. Call up Roy Borton today at 204-633-2722. Take a week off the family, twist the throttle with uh, one of the Johnsons there. Uh, it, was, it was Keith Johnson or Casey Johnson? Keith Johnson? Keith. Keith Johnson. Yeah, Keith lives in Pembroke, and right. believe it or not, he actually runs Southwick now along with John Dow. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, we, we've known each other forever. He... A lot of people forget Keith Johnson was the, the first Cannondale rider, and uh, he raced it for the first time at High Point in 2000. Got the whole shot. And uh, got the whole shot, yeah. It was pretty... And pretty then the funny. bike quit. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the, then the bike quit. But uh, that was the, the pretty much the, the, the whole story of Cannondale. It was, uh, it was a very ambitious project, and uh, it... Uh, just didn't quite work out the way it was supposed to but you know what that's what happens when you try to build a brick wall from the top down it just doesn't work i tried to get those guys to start with mini bikes because you know that company was right up in bedford pennsylvania yeah and um maybe you know get involved with cobra which makes phenomenal mini cycles but they you know was looking for a, a, a financial hand back then and and instead they decided to take on the japanese and it just wasn't wasn't uh doable you know but oh well that's a that's a that's a different blog story no kidding actually that was one of the last things i wanted to get in with you was the that you actually got the opportunity to ride one of those things uh which a bike that was efi about uh oh nine years ahead of its time as far as technology goes and uh yeah just totally wild it was it was funny because i i rode the bike and it wasn't that bad uh, I wasn't a 450 rider though. I didn't really like, I still like to ride 250s, you know, whether it's two stroke or four stroke, yeah. uh, or 125. But, um, I went to, uh, the practice track that they had up there near Bedford and I was just riding cause I was buddies with, uh, one of the test riders and, uh, I landed off a tabletop and snapped the bike in half. The front end literally fell off, but I, the way I landed and the way it went down, you know, I actually didn't crash. I was able to like just sort of ride off the side of the track chopper style. Yeah. And, uh, that was that. And, um, what I didn't realize is that someone immediately whipped out a cell phone and called Joe Montgomery, who was the owner of the company. And then suddenly, you know, I'm being steered to the, uh, Western Sizzler Steakhouse in Bedford or whatever the restaurant was because Joe wanted to come and talk to me and he came in with a couple lawyers and saw, oh, I'm so sorry. And he, Joe was a really, really great guy. And, uh, you know, this was just a, you know, sort of a bridge too far, but he was like, I'm really sorry. You know, is there anything we can do any compensation? And I'm like, dude, I no, I'm, <laughs> you let me ride your bike. I broke it. I'm sorry. You know, uh, I'm not going to sue you. I'm not going to write about it. I'm not going to put it in the magazine. And I, and I did, I did, you know, I knew they were trying to, just shake down those bikes and R&D them, and, and um, I wasn't going to give them a black eye like some of the other magazines were because we just don't do bike tests and stuff. But uh, it was a funny experience, and I think that that bike 
the next bike they gave me, um, I believe it's in Mike Jones's garage uh, up at Delmont, where Steel City was. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to have to check on that, but I think it was like serial number zero 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 twelve. Wow, or something. Yeah, that's incredible. But, you know, it's a white. It's a it's a white elephant. I don't really know that it's a gift that anyone necessarily wants. But when you have it, you got to kind of keep it, I guess. For I sure. That, that would It'll be, be worth uh, shut be... it up. Yeah. But where are you going to get those extra Cannondale parts? It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like... Kind of like getting parts for your unicorn, you know. Exactly, uh, like trying to get trying to get a local dealership to work on your Chinese uh, pit bike or something like that. Yeah, well, you could do that. You could, you know, I, I've actually had the good fortune of riding a couple Chinese pit bikes, um, and I, 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 I could see the the unbelievable difference between a Japanese or Austrian made bike and a Chinese made bike. Yeah, it's a second to none. Or it's 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 there's no there's no comparison there. Um, so this weekend, uh, is there any chance that like I love the Kawasaki track map, but what I really loved back in the day was when Davy Coombs would get on a two thousand and one R uh, YZF two fifty and spin some laps with full commentary. <laughs> any chance of that happening? Uh. No, the the reason I used to do that is because obviously David, you know, was unable to race anymore, mm-hmm. and uh, back then before GoPros, the helmet cam, you had to wear a backpack because you had to carry a battery and a transmitter, and uh, no rider would wear it during the race, and they didn't want to even ride it in practice because they're out there trying to get you know qualified, yeah. and uh, I volunteered one time. And said, "Hey, why don't you let me ride it?" Now, I don't think that Art Ekman and even uh, Scotty McLemore, who was a producer, knew that I used to race and that I still raced. And um, so I, I I got out there and uh, got it going. And 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 next thing you know, they had a microphone on me, and I, I just started doing it. And it was really one of uh, the luckiest things I ever got to do because you know the technology came along that now any pro rider can wear a GoPro and you know, have the live transmitter or whatever. But for a couple of years there, I got to go ride practice with guys like Ricky Carmichael and Travis Pastrana and Grant Langston and, and Ryan Hughes. And it was just, it was just awesome. And, uh, one time I actually, and, uh, I still remind, uh, the Robinsons about this. Uh, uh, I came up with this idea that, you know, back when Unadilla used to be all graphs, so I was like, Hey, why don't you let me go out on Friday before anyone rides and ride in the grass with the whole track and do the helmet cam? And then on Saturday, once it's all rough, I'll go. I'll go do another lap and show the difference between what what it starts out as and what it's you know what it's like afterwards. Right. And they were like, "Oh yeah, that'd be great, sure." What they didn't know is that I didn't actually talk to television about that. I just wanted to be the first guy to go to out ride there on beautiful grass. And and I I was out there for like twenty minutes and I just kept going and going and and uh, had Unadilla grass track to myself. It was it was like being on a golf course. No doubt. And sure enough, they they did end up using it because I dropped into gravity cavity and then when I jumped out. They they switched to me jumping out after practice when it was beat to all hell and <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I I I, uh, I appreciate that you watch those and uh, remember those, but. Uh, yeah, that that's a that's a 
that's a time gone by. Now uh, GoPro's changed everything. No kidding, since uh, the fact that you were able to actually uh, get a, a Race Rex logo on the front fender. Yeah, they, they uh, if it wasn't for that ESPN job, uh, honestly, Brad, I would have had a hard time starting Racer X. I mean, it was a newspaper for several years, and it wasn't until I got on TV that all of a sudden people started taking my phone call. Like, I could call Pete Fox and say, hey, you know, maybe you could advertise this little newspaper, and I'd send it to him, and he'd be like, ah, oh, pretty cool. And uh, it, it was it – was, it wasn't my last name. It was the fact that I was on TV and that sticker would pop up every now and then. And I think really got the, the momentum going. And, and then beyond that, it was just, just a lot of lucky breaks and a lot of good friends and a, a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of work. Yeah, hard, a lot been, of hard uh, work. It's man. been a blast. Absolutely. That's really cool. Yeah. Man. But I mean, when you love, when you love what you do and you do what you love, it's really not work. I mean, I live in West Virginia. A lot of my friends, are coal miners. My, my stepdad is a coal miner. He'd be mining coal instead of driving a pickup truck through Ohio talking to you, going from race to race. I think I got a pretty good gig, and it's really not that hard to work. <laughs> Absolutely. No, like um, my dad always, like, he, I tell him that, oh, I got, like, I, like uh, a company sent me this or a company sent me that. I mean, like, he's like, yeah, but you have to do all those podcasts. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I don't chalk up talking to Davy Coombs as work, and I never will. Uh, cause th- this is like, to me, being able to talk to athletes that, that love the sport or, or compete in the sport that I love so much, it's just a, it's just a blessing. It's like to be, to be gifted enough on the microphone to be able to talk to them is, uh, nothing short of incredible to me. So, uh, like I said, I so happy that I was able to have you on and, uh, yeah, it's like, as, as I expected, um, your great interview. Um, <clears throat> Recently, you went to uh, on a trip uh, to across uh, the pond, as they say, uh, over to Italy to uh, to watch an MXG, some MXGP racing. Uh, what did you like of what you saw and what you took in, and how awesome was it to see forty one twenty fives coming off the line? Well, um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, I caught there. No worries. Um, I try to go to a GP, you know, every other year or so. Uh, I was in Valkenswaard in 2012. I was in Des Nations. Uh, uh, I, I like to see what the other side does. I think it's important uh, because we may be sort of competitors and that we're trying to get the same talent. We want to each have the most prestigious series. At the end of the day, it's awesome to go to a race in Europe, just as it's awesome to come to America for a national or a supercross. And uh, it worked out that I went to Arco de Trento and Ironically, that turned out to be the one and only GP that Villapoto's done in Europe this year. And, um, uh, you know, he may not do another one because he, he, he did a number on his back. And I was standing oh, yeah. about 50, 50 feet, nah, maybe maybe 75 feet away when he crashed. You, you could feel it in your feet. When he hit the ground, it was, it was with a thud. Ouch. And, um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I won't sugarcoat it. That was not the same Ryan Villapoto that, that left, you know, in 2013 or the one that dominated Supercross in 2014. Uh, I think that he had it in his mind that he was going to probably retire last year. And then kind of this deal came up, a combination of, you know, his primary sponsor, Monster Energy, wanting him to do it. And I'm sure that the people in Europe uh, threw in some money and, 
And he thought, oh, you know, okay, one more year, I'll try it. But I don't think what he counted on was the work that it would be. And, and you know, it, he may not have had to get ready for Supercross or the outdoors, but, man, those guys in Europe are fast. They are unbelievably competitive, especially on tracks that they know. And, and while Ryan did, you know, dominate that one race in Thailand, um, I don't, I it just, it, it wasn't the guy that I saw in 2013 you know, the last time he raced outdoors, his racecraft just wasn't quite there. And to see him battling with Max Nagel and Clement Saul, it was, it was, he, he was sort of lacking that, that trigger finger that, that he was just, you know, legendary for. And then he crashed and I kind of knew at that moment that this was going to end much differently than anyone thought. And, and, and now, you know, his comeback is, you know, on, on extended hold. And, you know, we might not see him till September. Maybe he'll do Mexico and the USGP at Glen Helen. But beyond that, I don't think he's in a hurry to get back over there. I think that, uh, um, I think that, you know, anytime if you're a hockey player, a football player, mm-hmm. a baseball player, sometimes guys know when it's time to go out and other people play well past the due date. And, you know, a guy like Derek Jeter went out the right way. Uh, a guy like Franco Harris did not. You know, he ended up, you know, playing for shitty teams and bouncing all over the NFL and running out of bounds for the Seahawks at the end. And he wasn't the guy who won four Super Bowls with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, with, 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 in motocross, the ultimate walk off was Stefan Everts in 2006. You know, Ricky Carmichael had a brilliant exit in 2007, you know, winning you know, the last six nationals he entered, then riding off into the sunset at the, the designations. But then other guys like Jeremy McGrath kind of come back a little and don't come back or don't really know when to call it quits. And there's never really a, a final date. And I think that Ryan kind of is in that, is at that point now where he might be in hindsight thinking, you know, I really wish I probably should have quit like I was going to, but you know, hindsight's 2020 i guess 100 percent. like uh it's there's not too many people or not too many athletes that get to write their own book they don't like the white the write the way they end up going out of the series like uh i think of goaltenders like a a martin brodeur who was he's been he'd been with the the same team for his entire career three stanley cups many vesna trophies Am I going to come back? Am I not? I, if I only want to come back if I play, ends up going to St. Louis this year and get like he he's trying to get a certain number of wins and it takes him forever to get that and then and then he's just done and you, you kind of like those who see him now who didn't remember him or maybe didn't get a chance to see him when he was old uh, is younger the the mystique is 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 tainted a little bit and uh, yeah like a guy who like Ricky Carmichael I watched his very last national race in Millville 2007 um, and he just he just dropped a bomb on those guys and uh, see you later by 45 seconds and rode off into the sunset sunset two months later at the motocross the nations there's uh, something seriously cool to be able to say something like that and uh, yeah amazing that these guys can can actually pull themselves away from it knowing how dominant they are yeah and 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 ryan you know was such a competitor and 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 such had such a hard work ethic and and really i mean he was just full gas for 10 years there's no doubt about that but but when he you know quit working out with alden and and sort of you know he was he was easing away from it and then he got pulled back into it and 
you know, to each their own. I, I, I hate that people in Europe now think that their riders are much better than ours, and it's just not the case. They were better uh, on one track. He was better on another track, and we've just had some bad luck in the designations. But yeah. um, Tony, Car- Tony Crowley is just he's a badass. Noggle, DeSalle, Gautier Pollen, Jeffrey Hurlings. Those guys are good, don't get me wrong. But, but you know, they would have just a hard time coming here and racing the Nationals as, as Ryan had over there. And, you know, Ryan was just really getting started when he got hurt. But uh, even even with that, it was, it was, it was you know, I'm lucky enough to see an awful lot of races. And he was about 75% of where he was in 2013. Yeah, I I think you're you're bang on on that. Like uh, the way I the way I saw it, like um, when Clement DeSalle or yeah, when DeSalle came over and Stribos came over in 2013, uh, I don't think either of them swung closer to the top five was the best moto for them. Uh, and yeah, they're they're just out of their element. You know what I mean? It's just it's oh, and yeah, it it, it is. And, and and sometimes the you know Everts came over and raced once, and and, and Bob Moore raced once where he was world champ and. You know, it, it's it's really hard to pick up and go to the other side of the world. I mean, if you go back and forth to Canada, and you know, go race Walden or or you know, uh, go for dunes, it's not like you're going to the far side of the world, and it's pretty familiar. But going to Europe, you know, where the food is different, the travel is different, and it's much easier now than it's ever been because of iPhones and the you know the U, uh, the the EU. Everyone has the same money. You don't have to stop at the borders. It's it's you know, you're, you're literally, you know, your iPhone away from all your friends and communicating with everyone. It's much different, but still, it's not what you're used to. And, and it makes it, you know, really quite difficult. And, you know, track preparation's a little different, too, not in the ways that people think. I think the national, the, the national tracks are pretty damn rough. Oh, I've been I think there, yeah. we've been seeing that this year. But they've always been pretty damn rough. What, what happens, though, is... Um, you know, over in Europe, it's a different kind of rough because they don't have the equipment that we have. They race all weekend long, you know, Saturday and Sunday, and they just form up differently. In our tracks, you know, we, 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 we work them really hard, get them ready for practice in the morning, and then they pretty much stay in touch because everything's on live TV and you don't really have time to do a lot other than fix the, you know, the tricky jump takes off, takeoffs or whatnot. And so when I hear the nonsense that tracks are so much rougher over there, I'm like, it's just not true. Uh, it's just a different kind of rough. Our tracks are softer. Our soil is more consistent. And they have a lot more diversity over there. There's no doubt about it. But Villapoto wasn't losing because the tracks were rough. He was losing because the other guys were riding faster. 100%, yeah. It's just, in my opinion, uh, Ryan went over there. Uh, maybe bit off a little bit more than he could chew or thought that it was going to be easier than it was going to be. And, uh, yeah, not, not training the same way. Like you can't expect yourself to be the same guy. This is not how it works. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I respect the fact that he went for the challenge. He's lucky that he had, you know, he was in a situation where monster really wanted him to go because those Red Bull KTMs have been on top for an awful long time and in both classes, and, uh, you know, they thought that he would be the one to, you know, get them a lot of market share in, in Europe. But, uh, you know, those guys weren't going to go down without a fight. And, and what's funny is everyone was focused on Villapoto versus, versus Caroli, but Max Noggle has 
steadily been the fastest guy. That's why he's got the big points lead. And, uh, you know, they're halfway through over there. So I'm, I, I'll be watching. I, I watched before Villapoto went over. I'll watch long after Villapoto is done because I just, I enjoy race, watching any kind of racing. And um, it, it has been interesting to watch for sure. How sweet do those Huskies look? Let's be honest. Oh, it's Max Noggle is like a really cool guy. But whether it's, you know, the bikes that Jack Osborne and, and those guys are riding down here yeah. or, or the bike that Max rides over there for the, the engine ice or engine one team or whatever, ice one, ice KTM, one, yeah. or not KTM, <laughs> ice one Husqvarna, which I think is the team owned by Kimi Raikkonen. Correct. Um, he, uh, he just looks really, really good on that bike. Yeah, something about having a different color at the track uh, is is just something cool to see. Uh, Davy Coombs, it's been a solid 40 minutes, and uh, I just can't thank you enough for giving me some time this afternoon. Uh, I know you had time to kill, and uh, I was glad to uh, sniper that off with you to uh, to get this on record, uh, interview uh, you, and just get your thoughts on motocross as a whole, and uh, just get to know you a little bit because you're, you're the kind of guy that I've been looking forward to. Yeah, appreciate you having me on. And uh, if you ever got space to fill, give me a call. I'd be glad to talk more. Absolutely, my friend. Uh, I won't hang up just yet, but uh, we'll uh, we'll end the podcast right there. You have a, you have a good one. Okay, right on. Thank you for listening to the Big MX podcast, brought to you by X Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at bigmxradio.com for more content.